In this week's episode of the Ocean Pancake Podcast, I'm joined by Janina Rossiter, who is an artivist. You may recognize some of her art from Instagram, but she has also published several books, which are beautiful picture books uh, for children, for adults, for anyone really, which kind of share the love of the ocean and the love of our planet and how we should be working together to clean up the sea and work for a better future. She also does lots of work in schools and in general is a very passionate and inspirational human being. So I'm so excited to have her here today and hope you guys enjoy this episode. Make sure to check out her artwork on Instagram because, you know, podcasts are not really a visual platform, but um, you will definitely see why the whole ocean conservation kind of uh, community has been taken with her art. She's now going to be collaborating with Marine Diaries. You guys may remember uh, the director of Marine Diaries, Rebecca, who's been on this podcast a couple of times. So yeah, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And as always, if you have any questions or would like me to interview anyone in particular, let me know oceanpancakepodcast at gmail.com or send me um, uh, a DM on Instagram or something like that. You can find me on all platforms, Ocean Pancake. Let's get into it. Every day, there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean, whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution. If the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. You know, how did you begin this amazing journey to where you are now? Because it's it's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, um, it was all a coincidence. And I would say that... um, so um, with my, I studied communication and illustration design, and I wanted to write children's books when I was already in um, at university. But one of my profs said that it's not a good career to start in because you cannot um, you cannot support yourself. You have to be living on um, help, and <laughs> that's not something you want to hear. And the other side, so it was illustration and communication design, and the other side was the communication design was the web design, advertising, product design, that's where the commercial site was in. So I started with an advertising agency in London and then I moved on to a um, um, a packaging design company in Germany, uh, where I'm from. And um, But the thought of wanting to write children's book was always there. And um, it happened later on when I was um, having, after my first daughter was born, I just, um, the last job I was um, working on was a job for a product for sunscreen. And I had to draw little penguins and um, it was a lot of fun and the the client really liked it. But so um, after that, I I decided to quit my job because I didn't really, I uh, want to do 
wanted to do that anymore. And I had three months at home uh, before I started the next job. And in these three months, I just started to um, create children's books. Um, I started with a little penguin and I started to write stories about him. And then I did nothing really with the book until my daughter was born because I, I thought it was a shame just having it on the computer. So that was like the first kind of book I released. Um, and then I continued doing my, uh, doing, doing the first years of my, my first daughter, my second daughter, I just wrote stories um, for them that would um, be related to what we are doing and what's happening in our lives. And um, this is also a little bit how my first ocean book came alive. It was something that happened in our, in our, in our lives. But um, maybe this is all a bit too long. So just to go back to your original question was that, um, yeah, so I was somebody who's always loved the ocean because I uh, grew up in Hamburg, Germany, and uh, we are near the Baltic and the um, the North Sea. And that's something that has to do with my childhood, I would say. And then um, I was a competitive swimmer from the very beginning. Like from, I started competitive swimming was five to six years. And so water was always something I was surrounded by and water was always something I felt really happy with. And it's something that I've always did. So I, had a, I have a, a, a big love for water. And um, when I wrote my, um, after Toby the Penguin, which was my first um, book series, I, that was a vector graphic series and I wanted to just be a bit more artistic because I thought it was the artistic side of the illustrations were just all computer based and I wanted to do something a little bit more um, yeah from an art perspective so I, I started to look for background fonts and I came across a technique called alcohol ink mm -hmm. and um, that is a very watery kind of um, art technique and it reminded me a lot of the water. But the first book I wrote was an ABC book about animals and it was a bit fun. It wasn't realistic. It was a fun book to teach children the ABC and alliterations. And then um, after that book, I wanted to write a book just about ocean life because the, the technique reminded me of water. And I had a jellyfish in that book, which I had most fun drawing. So um, I thought, okay, after an ABC book, I could do a one, two, three book because it's, um, it's concepts. So it, it yeah. stays in the logic. And uh, while I was um, researching um, for the second ABC book um, with just sea creatures, I went to the aquarium with my family. And in the aquarium, they had a show on about plastic pollution. Mm -hmm. And um, which the times before we went, they had shows on, you know, fun shows, but that show was actually quite serious. And that was the first time we came across a show uh, that was talking about ocean issues and um, we were just there and um, but my daughter wanted to um, help um, the actors to clean up the ocean and she raised her hand and she wanted to help and then um, she got selected to help and that kind of caught my attention as a mom when your kid wants to be involved and wants to help so I it really kind of touched me and then um, nothing really happened after that it except until we came home and I, it didn't leave my it didn't leave me I was just like thinking why did they make a, um, a presentation about plastic pollution and I've, I've heard about plastic pollution before but I didn't the extent of what's happening with 
with the plastic, the 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 the, the bigger picture wasn't I wasn't aware of, and I also wasn't aware of um, how I am connected to the problem because. Um, so many people I've talked to, um, when we start talking about plastic pollution, they say, but I recycle, I don't throw anything on the road. So the, the bigger picture of how everyone is connected to make a difference was missing um, in my understanding. And that was the night after the aquarium, I came home and I researched plastic pollution. And I was sitting on my computer having tears coming down my face. I was so shocked. And um, it was I was so shocked because I was seeing beaches full of plastic, I saw villages full of plastic, I saw kids growing up in houses where there's just plastic underneath. Images I've never seen before really, and I don't know why, I'm, 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 I would say I keep up to date with the news and everything, and, um, but that was something that really hit me, um, hit me in the, um, from, from the core I would say. And um, so I, I thought, okay, well I'm writing a book about sea creatures and one, two, three, why do I not do the same as they did in the aquarium, why do I not say one, two, three, who's cleaning the sea? Um, who's helping to clean the sea? Like just as in the aquarium, we are motivating others to um, help them. And then I came across a few images um, and one of the images was by Justin Hoffman, the um, seahorse with the cotton bud. And that gave me the idea that actually the sea creatures don't have a choice anymore they're now surrounded by our trash and they are don't they're not in their natural environment anymore they are they are they are like um, you know dying of plastic in their stomach and it's because our our trash is everywhere in their environment and that was basically the idea of my first ocean book that the sea creatures do not have a choice anymore and they are basically talking to us um, to um, clean this up and um, and to help them and the idea is um, so what I experienced as and from the emotional side that I was sad and depressed when I found out all of these things I didn't want to recreate with children I wanted to really recreate a positive feeling of we are all in this together we are all cleaning up together and in the book um, the um, the ocean is clean at the end and then we are saying so now it has to stay like this and please be a hero and the sea creatures are counting on you so it's trying to give a message that um yeah that we we should keep it clean and make sure this is not happening again so yeah <laughs> so it was very long now but uh, this is basically the first uh, step into this whole um ocean protection area um, because it really shocked me and um, it was a night where I think it changed everything for me in terms of how I feel and what I want to do. When when was this? Because I feel like these images just these images just weren't as common uh, even a few years ago and then about what five six years ago we started seeing on mainstream media we started hearing people talk about it and same thing like my grandmother watched the plastic ocean just started crying stopped plastic mm. overnight and you know when I first graduated high school I also didn't think about it and uh, one of my first guests on the podcast was Alexis McGivern and she told me about her aha moment of when she realized that every yogurt cup she ever consumed was somewhere out there and um, I know. 
it, it all happened quite recently. So when did it happen for you? It was not that long ago. It was in 2018. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it was not that long ago. And I think that was also why I felt a bit embarrassed when I started, um, because there are lots of people that have been doing that for five, six, ten years. And I, I just realized um, then. And but I, um, that was something I really struggled with, I would say. But then I spoke to a few people and who really encouraged me and who said, forget what was before, just forget it. You realize now and um, this is when you make a difference and this is when you make a change and um, feel confident about it. But I did have a bit of a, um, yeah, um, moment where I think, oh God, yeah, <laughs> should I actually do something because um, I should have realized before. And uh, But this is something I really work on with other people now as well, because it was my own experience. So I, I tried not to make few people feel bad of that they had been part of the problem. So I say, we are starting now, everything you change starts now. And um, so the positive outcome of or the positive feelings is really something that I incorporate in anything I do. So with schools, with people I talk to, with my artivism work, um, I really try not to give anyone a negative feeling and a feeling of community and you are important and we need you. So um, partly because it was my own experience as well. And I felt really welcomed by a lot of people despite I hadn't been an ocean advocate for 10 years. Yeah, but I think I think that's the beauty of this community is we need more people at any point. And if anyone's interested in helping out now or decreasing their plastic use in any way, there's no better time to start than right now, you know? Yeah, and, definitely. And I'm so glad you did do this work because your art is absolutely beautiful. And I've been seeing it around Instagram for the past couple of years. Um, it's very distinctive with the, what was the technique called? Well, there are two techniques. It's alcohol ink and fluid art. Mm-hmm. So alcohol ink is um, just an ink that you mix with alcohol. Mm-hmm. And the fluid art is a um, technique which is mixed with acrylics and um, done in a um, very liquid way. And um, it has to dry for a couple of days and not be touched <laughs> because then it's uh, it's also something it's hard to do with the children and um, in the school because sometimes they want to create what I do, but it's really a technique that needs a, a long time to dry and yeah. um, it's quite difficult. And the alcohol ink as well is something you can't really do with children because of the alcohol. Mm-hmm. So when I do work with children, I bring um, some of the scans, I scan in some of my paintings and um, they work with collages or we do the marbling effect where they can just um, put the the paper in the water. So um, as an alternative to um, create. But even, even I don't find that as a problem anyway because I like when kids or when the schools just feel inspired and not actually copy one-to-one because I think that really limits you in your creativity if you're trying to do exactly what somebody else has done. So, um, yeah, so I mean, we haven't spoken about the school visits yet, but um, that's something I aim to do at the end that we have um, 
a art project and I don't really give specific um, ideas. I can if the school asks me to, but what I really like for the school to do is that they reflect on what we have talked about and that they find out for themselves um, what um, is a problem, what they're realizing. And um, I, I think that's the best. Um, and that's the best art piece uh, for them to learn from as well. So um, can give you an example for that. I uh, visited the uh, British School of Paris um, last year and I came to talk to the whole school assembly and then um, I visited um, the classes afterwards. So I, year six, I, I came to see it twice and then I came to see the Eco Club a few times. And um, so the whole school basically on what I, um, when I read one, two, three, who's cleaning the sea. So what that was about is that they're realizing how much products they waste on a daily basis. Like you just said, yogurt pots are something that really throw away after just a few seconds yeah. of usage. So um, they created an art, a, a, a whole um, art installation of um, pieces and items that they use only for a few seconds on a daily basis and the amount of plastic was immense and I think this is when everyone for himself realize um, if this is what we create every day this what is what happening was like the word and so I think this is really eye-opening and this is why I don't like to say please do this or do that because I think this experience of finding out for yourself is where change happens. This episode has been sponsored by you. Thank you for everyone who takes the time to listen to these episodes and if you have a moment please consider giving it a rating that really helps boost it in the iTunes or Spotify or wherever you're listening. Also, if you can share it with your friends and let me know your thoughts, who you would like me to interview. I also have a Patreon and I have some amazing patrons and we have great fun behind the scenes. We chat about all things uh, conservation and we get kind of uh, videos of the podcast as well, uh, including behind the scenes footage and all sorts of fun stuff. You can become a orca, turtle, or a shark. So come on, join the family. And uh, yeah, let's get back to the podcast. Exactly. And that's really the difference between living, you know, in our in kind of the Western world where our trash facilities are very advanced and our trash gets picked up and taken away and we never have to look at it again. So we don't really see our actual footprint while when you see images of the ocean or of lesser developed countries. Anyway, um, you, you see the trash piling up, you know, as you said, on, on the floors of the houses, on sides of the streets, down on the beach. And I know when I lived in Cambodia or Comoros, the plastic was just so much more in my face that I felt that urgency a lot more. And it's quite easy for us in Europe or Australia to to put it out of our minds. Cause even if we're at school, we use that yogurt cup, we use that single use spoon, we throw it in a bin and that's it. We never have to think about it again. It's taken away someone else's problem. And mm. um, putting it out there, as you were saying, it's, it just gives people that visual. And I think that's why what you do has touched so many people is because visuals really help us as humans to understand and learn and that's why photography, that's why art, and that's why these kinds of installations, you know, of them collecting 
all, all these products has been so impactful because um, yeah we wouldn't have like same as you said you wouldn't have really thought about it until you saw those documentaries and like the talks in the aquarium like until you see an image you can't imagine like what what number is that oh we make two kilos of trash per day what does that <laughs> yeah. really mean you know um let's say oh, it's true and uh, <clears throat> there's also a little exercise i do with the children in the terms of imagine you go into a supermarket and everything you have you buy you have to make sure you somehow take care of the afterlife so um for example if you buy an apple you can put that on compost um if you buy a carton as well you can recycle it but what about plastic um so it's a good exercise as well to um to see okay and also i do um, make a difference between plastic that can help us and plastic that is single use and that's something i talk to the children about as well mm -hmm. that um <clears throat> it depends on um what you use it for and the um, carbon footprint so sometimes plastic will really actually help us um and sometimes it won't so um to make a difference between the two and uh, yeah i think the eye opening um is is, is um, something the children also need to understand especially when it comes to our resources and there's a really good um video um from Greenpeace, I'm not even sure if I'm allowed to say that. Yeah, but uh, I, I love the video and I show it to um, to the schools all the time. Is the um, the story of a spoon and it's so powerful, and um, it's just that what we do take from Earth, like what it takes to make that little spoon. Mm -hmm. um, and then we throw it away. And I always feel like it's, it might be a bit silly, but if you would, for example, create an amazing art piece and you give it to somebody and you, and the person takes your piece of art and throws it in the bin in front of you. And this is how I sometimes feel about Earth. Earth must feel like that. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. um, it's uh, and the feeling of somebody not appreciating what we, um, like give to them this is what we're doing with our earth and um and i don't really know how we can open our minds to that because i think we all think everything will come forever in a way because everything is available all the time you go on the internet you want something you buy it you know there's no limitations and i think that creates a feeling of i don't need to be careful and um, yeah, it's, there's a lot of work to be done, I think. There certainly is. Um, so you've published these books, which you, you're, you know, selling to, to, it's mostly targeted at children. What ages are your books for? Well, ABCs, yeah, I'm so guessing the, pretty young. <laughs> yeah, um, the first book one to, uh, so um, yeah, as, as I write the books for, myself in that sense I don't write them for somebody else in mm -hmm. terms of I don't have I write them for the world but I don't write them for a client so um, um so basically I I write my books as I feel uh they're right so one two three is cleaning the sea I had never even imagined sending it off to a publisher or somebody um to then judge it, to then tell me that we might can publish it in 2022. So because that's what, how long it takes 
if you get accepted. Uh, because with one, two, three, you clean the sea, I just felt the urgency of this book needs to be out there immediately to open the eyes of what we're doing and we have to change. So yeah, and um, yeah, there are days where I think I'm a self-published author, am I an author? But then there are days where I think um, the kids love my books when I go to schools and that's what matters. And um, so, but there's, a, um, yeah, there are days where I'm um, feeling down about not being published by a big publishing company, but on the other hand, that's not my goal with what I'm trying to do with the books anyway. So, yeah, well, the, the goal of the books is to to raise this awareness and that I think that's shown really clearly by all your artivism and the fact that you go into schools and work with kids and have all these amazing social media campaigns, because as we know, you know, at the end of the day, social media is now the, the future, you know, publishing houses may be one thing, but I think being self-published is you have no one but yourself and the people who are interested in your work standing behind yeah. you, which is amazing in itself. You don't have a publishing house. You don't have market marketing campaigns. You don't have, you know, all of these big things, but you just have your mission and then the people who resonate with it. And um, I know I'm very excited to get my hands on these books. Uh, and I can't believe I haven't actually gotten any yet. Because I didn't know you had like the ABC book, but I have so many friends with young kids. Guess what they're getting for Christmas? <laughs> yeah, well, the, the thing is, I changed my, um, so the ABC book is a fun book. Um, so it's like James Jellyfish, Chocolate Jam Jars. So it's like, um, you know, it's not, the, uh, it's not the reality. And then with the one, two, three, who's cleaning the sea, I've going, I'm then going into a subject which is the reality and which is mm -hmm. trying to raise awareness. And with um, Diamond Hearts and Sea Stars, I've gone even a step further, which is, um, well, ABC and one, two, three are still um, fun in the sense of, um, they're doing something silly, but it's serious. Um, but with Diamond Heart and Sea Stars, I am 100% serious in the sense of um, giving information and trying to raise awareness of endangered sea creatures. But I have still written it in a way because um, that engages the kids because um, having been at schools for the last seven years and having worked with schools, I know that kids can really easily lose interest when you um, overwhelm them with information. So I um, have written the last book in a way where the kids have to be engaged. So I have nine sea creatures. And uh, so for each sea creature that's split into three um, parts. And the first part is where the children have to guess which sea creature I'm talking about. So I'm giving them little um, clues. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, is really a part where they understand they have to be attentive because uh, yeah. otherwise they will not know which um, they will not be able to guess the clue so yeah this is something i try to incorporate um trying to think of me standing in front of a class and um getting everyone's attention when i write the book like last book definitely that was always on my mind and um yeah i find it very impressive you go and stand in front of um children in a classroom i do that almost every day and it's terrifying <laughs> um, oh, yeah, it is their attention making sure they're you know focused that's a whole well uh, unfortunately <laughs> with the pandemic i wasn't really able to do that um but i have been able to do um so there was a, a few local schools in paris mm -hmm. <laughs> so like 
Can I show you this? Oh, yeah. You see my dogs have fallen asleep next to me, so they're not trying to get in. Usually they'd be barking. I just inside. have to let my cat in because otherwise I can't speak. <laughs> Sorry. Good. Uh, okay. So yeah, I was just wanted to say um, with the pandemic, it's been a lot more difficult um, seeing the local schools and the eco clubs. And um, I think lots of things have changed. I don't um, know uh, when I will be going back and if I'm going back, because obviously, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, but on the other hand, um, now with remote learning, um, I had the Dulwich, Dulwich College in Singapore contacting me. And uh, that would have never been someone I would normally have been able to work with because in my mind, I go to schools and not sit on a screen. <laughs> um, and um, so that has really opened up um, opportunities to reach more schools um, around the world. But I must say, I don't really um, work with too many schools at the same time because I don't just go to a school and read my book and that's mm -hmm. it. So what I usually do is, um, I work with a school over a whole year, uh, meaning I have a presentation on plastic pollution, I um, answer questions, I um, give them ideas for what they could create. So it's an ongoing project. And the reason for that is that um, it's a complex subject and a complex subject cannot be just um, ticked off by one visit reading a book. So um, for me, it's really a, a work of, um, as I said before, realizing for themselves what the problems are, how we can make a difference and um, how each of us can become a little um, eco-warrior. And that is um, why my school visits um, are quite long. <laughs> and that's why I don't work with too many schools at the same time as well, because otherwise I can't do it because this is um, something I do next to my job. It's not my job. And uh, so I can only fit uh, a certain amount in. And um, yeah, so I um, also have a few campaigns that I was trying to do, but um, there, there's two campaigns I was doing with schools. One was um, bring your own, uh, which is an idea I was trying to do a little bit globally because any school in the whole world can do it. Mm -hmm. And that was based on, um, school parties so um, I don't know how it is in Australia but here in the summer when we have school parties that's when all the single-use plastic was happening yeah and if it's not if it's not single-use plastic they replace it with something else single-use and um, then we are back on the subject of natural resources because yeah. um, anything else what is single-use is not sustainable so um, I um, I try to motivate people to communicate before they have a big school event to motivate people to bring their own because everyone has um like picnic kind of um you know uh, like cups everyone has these things at home and i think we are going to a party um probably nice clothes on and you know we we prepare ourselves before we go mm -hmm. to a party so why don't we just prepare ourselves with a few more items like yeah. uh, your own cup your own little plate and that would decrease the amount of waste immensely and i know that some people don't feel very comfortable about this because they think we have to offer something to the guest when they come it has to be pretty it has to be in the theme 
but I think um, it is something um, once we get over this um, that we have to offer something to somebody when they come to, to us um, and we just um, focus on what it does to our planet I think um, there's something that we can do and uh, yeah that's something I mentioned on my website as well but um, I wish I could get a bit more um, schools involved in that because I think reducing waste on parties could make such a difference. Yeah and as you said it so much of it is that mentality shift you know when whenever I have you know an event at my house I rather use glass and ceramics and risk it getting broken than you know use single-use plastic or paper and I still have friends who do that even in relatively small gatherings and for me it's just so bizarre at this point while five years ago I would have considered that completely normal so it just shows you know once you make that connection once you have that realization it, it becomes easier and easier and you're part of that of educating you know, the future generation, the young kids who then they do bring it home. And then hopefully, you know, that <laughs> spreading effect of more and more people who stop and think like, oh, maybe we don't need all this single use stuff. All the takeaway yeah, take is just such a problem. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, and then, and then we are back to the to the point where you feel weird when you do start something which you might be the only one or you might not having done that before because when I realized it, and this is why I feel so connected to people who do make a difference because they feel the same. When I watched Alexis uh, TED talk, for example, that was the same. I I um, try to like bring my own Tupperware when I go into restaurants in Paris for my lunchtime, but obviously none of my other colleagues do that so I'm like the little alien who walks around with her Tupperware <laughs> and uh, so yeah it's it's really kind of um, it, it plays with your self-confidence and belonging to groups or not and I think once the feeling is stronger of what you can actually achieve with that you start not caring but it's definitely a process of um, a few months feeling weird and um, yeah and I wish that people would feel less um, group oriented and more easily convinced by what it would change. Um, but then on the other hand, this is not what I concentrate on. I concentrate on um, what, you know, in the sense of what people don't do, you know, fine, if people don't feel comfortable, that's, that's okay. I, I think we all have to start with ourselves and even though at the beginning I was a bit frustrated with why is nobody else doing this and um, and why is, you know, the question of can't we all realize and, and change. But I think I've moved away from that um, quite a bit because I think um, it's when the change happens within you, that's when it's um, actually sticks. So as soon as you try to force something onto somebody, it's never going to stay um, the mentality is not there in that sense. So I think the work of raising awareness and each of us finding out for themselves is um, what will then bring on the change in the long run. That's, that's very true. And that's part of your work. So it's the raising awareness through social media campaigns. Could you share a bit more about, you know, what campaigns you do run and how you try and get people involved? So some of them were... Um, draw for uh, yeah draw for our planet or something <laughs> yeah um 
it, so basically um what i do try to do with all my work is mm -hmm. the feeling i had at the very first time the sadness so the sadness and frustration i don't want to create this in other people what i want to create in other people is the raising awareness and the positive feeling of we want to do change so and my work is really nothing planned so as i said i have no client behind me i have no corporations behind me no brands so what happens with me is really life um, and life in itself of who's influencing me, um, um, what do I do? Uh, so the, it started at the very beginning that I looked into other people, what other people were doing. So I created a change maker series and that was purely on this person has inspired me and I want to spread this person's message because I'm only here as a mom trying to find out information for myself but there are other people who are experts in this and other people who have really inspired me so by drawing them and passing on their message I feel like we can learn even more in fields where I cannot give any information of and then I I try to look out for um, news I try to look out for um, events like uh, drawing challenges and then when people contact me and say, we have a petition going on, like for the Shark Guardian campaign, I was contacted and they asked me if I would like to draw a few um, images to raise awareness of this campaign so people um, would sign. And then, um, you know, we realized, oh, this worked. And they were reaching out to lots of people, lot, lots of different artists. It was not just me, it was a, um, a whole circle of people who helped and, um, yeah, so I, um, I, and these, these pieces of artivism, I don't have a lot of, a long time creating them. It's sometimes, um, oh, we need something for tonight. Could you do something? So it has to be immediate. It has to be quick. Yeah. And it's also something what I really like because it's then it's the urgency. I have to do this. I'm doing it. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, it's the same with headlines. Sometimes when I read headlines, obviously this is something this is happening now so i can't publish that in two weeks so i have to um think about how could i translate this so the message could spread even farther uh, further and yeah so it's just life happening for me and i think that's what i like about it i think the moment where this becomes uh a, like a pressure or where i have to do it i don't i i think um I might not have the same passion. So I have the passion because it's uh, something I really care about. And it's um, it's life that giving me um, the ideas, so. Yeah, and you can really see that through through your work. And I love that you draw people. I think that that one's like the, everyone just has to go check out your Instagram basically because it's very hard to describe your art for people who haven't seen it. Um, it's just really, I, I love the contrast of the black and white and the blue of the ocean and you capture the blue of the ocean so beautifully because it has all those hues and I don't know. I don't know how you live in a city. I don't know how you live in Paris. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. No, um, the thing is that when I was young, uh, we went to France uh, quite a lot and um, my dream of uh, I'm from Hamburg Germany and I uh, spent a lot of time in London I spent a lot of time in the US and then I just never really wanted to stay in Germany in that sense because I've smelled um, 
you must feel the same yeah. <laughs> I smelled something else and then uh yeah I when I met my husband he was uh, born in France so we were like um I would love to move to France just because it's near the it's nearer the ocean in that sense because I have memories of of my holidays when I was um, in France near the ocean but then because of work we decided to move to Paris <laughs> which then is not so not me at all and um yeah but i try to go um once a year definitely i try to go once a year to um Brittany, which is the channels and i absolutely love it and um i i hope when i'm older i will be able to live near the ocean but i mean it really as i said i let i let life happen and we're happy here and um, yeah so well you're still <laughs> making very inspired art um for people who want to get involved what what can they do what what next projects are you working on yeah that's always a question i get especially in schools um so for me i um i just published diamonds hearts and sea stars in december and it was uh, a huge amount of me going in this book um, of what i feel about endangered sea creatures the the fear the the what what message i want to spread so i couldn't be going into the next project because um, this is exhausting as well. Yeah. And um, so now I have to basically, uh, it doesn't help me if I put this book in my shelf now. Now I have to tell the world about it, that it, it's there. And if people like it, please use it as a tool mm -hmm. to raise awareness of um, human activities, um, such as climate change, pollution, you know that we are losing land from from the erosions of the waves like lots of things and i think that's the work um that i'm probably gonna i'm now gonna be using this book to make a difference i hope and then um i'm also working well i'm helping the marine diaries at the moment with their ecosystems um giving them some graphic design support and i'm also working uh with forby um paris um who's in cameroon um to build up a library for underprivileged uh, children so they can learn and have resources mm -hmm. so that's something i'm trying to set up with forby and i have uh, collected books um in this area and there are quite a lot of international schools around here and uh, people um, have given me a lot of english books for children but I'm, I just sent to uh, Cameroon a few days ago mm -hmm. and I have a uh, fundraiser up on my website for that. And um, so at the moment, I haven't collected so much money yet for that fundraiser and um, have paid for the shipping cost myself at the moment. And I'm hoping that I will be able to get more funds because I'm hoping that I can continue doing that because at the moment it's just one big box I sent, but I'm hoping that we can really build up a library um, as a, a library, not just uh, a box of books. <laughs> so, but in order to be able to do that, I need more help. And um, so, yeah, that's something I probably going to be talking about more in the future so I can help Phoebe. And um, it's really his dream and I, I understand his dream 100%, um, having resources for kids being able to um, tell them with images and words um, what they can learn and and giving them, you know, information and information that will help them to um, empower these children to 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 learn. So, yeah. And then um, 
what each of us can do. I say that if each of us can do so much. I mean, we, I, I saw it myself, what I can do. I mean, there's still things I can't do, but I'm concentrating on the things I can do. And this is just um, switching um, alternatives that are unsustainable, that are single use into sustainable solutions. So it's mm -hmm. behavior changing. Um, towards sustainable products and also I think it depends I I find from I, what I learned for myself is that we can only do so much so I'm doing the raising awareness and the writing books and uh, I cannot be involved in every um, river cleanup in every street cleanup because you know there's only you only have a certain amount of time especially when you have children and when you have other obligations I think it's important you concentrate on what you can do mm -hmm. and if uh, and where your passion is what you want to do like um, you know it's, it's it could be education it could be raising awareness it could be beach cleanups it could be river cleanups um, I just think it's really important not to overwhelm yourself yeah. either because I think you don't want to have this feeling of frustration and this is something I had quite a bit at the beginning when I went into the supermarket and I know my children just like this but that didn't exist in this package and, and I was in the supermarket like half an hour longer than I I think to kind of think about um, you're already making a difference and when I can make a difference that's when I'm making a difference and, and then to award yourself for that as well and not just think oh god I couldn't do it today and you know <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean this um, um, to be um, not so hard with yourself because I think that easily could um, create frustration and then when you create frustration you might feel bad about it and then you don't do anything at all because yeah. um, you're trapped in this negative feeling so yeah positive feeling all the way. I think that was very wisely put. So just focus on what you can do, focus on your strengths and don't get overwhelmed. Cause I think, I think we've all been there <laughs> with feeling overwhelmed. Mm. I know I certainly have, especially 2020 has been a fun year. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh my God. But yeah, that's, that's about all the time we have today, but it was so amazing to, to have the chance to chat to you and, you know, hear about your story. And it just shows that you know, people have a passion, you can start working on it and, you know, it can lead you to be, you know, a multiple award-winning author and a change maker and a school presenter and all of that. So it's amazing the work you do. And I'm very excited to see more of um, your work. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And uh, it was really amazing chatting to you. It's really nice because I, as I said at the, at the beginning, I think we are quite similar in uh, so many ways and um, a few things you said I could have said exactly the same um, <laughs> it was really nice to connect to you and um, and I I think your podcast is amazing <laughs> it's oh, all you. Um, it, as you can see I don't know you can you can see up here my um my logo is actually quite similar a little bit to your style it's got the blue background and then it's got the gray um gray sea creature so Went, as soon as I as soon as I saw your um, your art, I was like, I like it. And then I was like, Oh, that's why I like it. I'm, <laughs> that's what someone designed for me. So my my need to talk to you about some future artwork because yours is beautiful. <laughs> oh, thank you. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm sure we'll chat again soon. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Perfect. Okay. That's